The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin episode number 38. I actually had to look it up before we got started because it's been so long. But uh, hey, it's Thursday night and uh, Trev, we are uh, we're officially back and uh, back in business. Yeah, nice little hiatus there and uh, pretty slow couple of weeks for sports anyways with the baseball all-star break and whatnot. So uh, yeah, good to be back. See, we've got, got a few things to talk about, which is nice too. Yeah, definitely. It's a good time to jump back into it here. We got uh, the Major League Baseball trade deadline coming up on Monday afternoon. It's on August 1st this year, and the Indians have been prominently involved. Uh, just to set the stage, they uh, had a split of a two-game series with the Nationals uh, that wrapped up yesterday and uh, still leading the Central by, I believe, four and a half games. So that's good, but, uh, you know, kind of treading water here, if we're being honest. And, um, I don't know that a whole lot has particularly changed with the tribe per se since the last time we really were talking Indians, but... uh, Treading water might be a little generous. They were up uh, seven and a half not that long ago. That's Um, true. Bit of a skid here, so got to hope they can turn it around or right the ship, if you will. But yeah, I mean, four and a half is still fine, but not the best uh, last couple, uh, I don't know, last seven, eight, ten games or so. Uh, but yeah, still at four and a half. I don't know what Detroit's doing tonight if they're even playing, but believe they had an off day. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's kind of gotten into this uh, holding pattern. And I, I, you know, it just I was thinking about this today when I was driving home. It kind of reminds me of when I was about seven or eight years old on Christmas morning, and I would have to go sit at the top of the stairs at our house and wait in the morning. To, uh, to find out what Christmas presents had arrived while my parents were downstairs uh, fumbling around setting up the camcorder on a tripod and uh, putting on a pot of coffee and doing everything else. And I was waiting for what felt like an eternity to see what the big reveal was uh, downstairs. And that's kind of what it's been like with this uh, trade deadline. We we know what the needs are. Um, nothing's really changed on that front. I mean, when, when we talked about the Indians, I mean, geez, it was almost a month ago now. I mean, we said it was going to be uh, they need some bullpen help. They probably need an upgraded catcher and, uh, you know, another bat. A decent and, bat against lefties, I think, is, is a big focus of theirs right now, too. But yeah, you're right. We keep hearing about what they want to go after, and we hear all these names thrown out. Um, but it's like, are we going to get – are they going to chase all of these things? Or are they going to try to improve one? How much should they really mess with this this formula that seems to be working pretty well? Um, I mean, obviously, you don't want to just stand still and feel like you're they're they're perfect because by all means they're clearly not. But um, how much do you really want to tweak what they have going on right now? Uh, I feel like there there's an unspoken air around this team right now that is just like kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, just like we as the fans are, um, because we can see what they need. And while I don't think anybody in the clubhouse is necessarily pointing fingers at each other, um, they've got great chemistry by all accounts. I, I think they know what they need, and they know that some sort of a deal is going to get made, 
And it's just kind of like, all right, let's just get here and do it already. Now, if you're like one of these teams that's selling, like whether it's a, a Tampa or, or a Minnesota or Milwaukee or some of these other teams that have been rumored to be offloading assets, I mean, there's no real incentive for you to to ship your, your trade ships out early as much as like the contending teams like the Indians want to jump and get the help in right away. Um, you know, it's it, for the sellers, it's to their advantage to wait as long as possible and, and drive up the price and kind of feels like that's what's happening here. You know, that the, the flood of moves is going to uh, probably come in on, uh, the, you know, over the weekend and definitely on Monday afternoon. But in the meantime, man, it's just a slog. And I, I really, I feel like the Indians a little bit just need some sort of resolution on this front figure out if you're going to get that piece or two uh, or more, depending on how aggressive the front office gets and, and what kind of trades line up. Um, find out what you got coming in and, and let's make a run for it because it, it's just this real weird holding pattern right now. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you kind of touched on it. So I guess we just jump right in. What are the what are the, the biggest needs right now? We've, I think we're probably in agreement and it's probably pretty unanimous. Uh, there's three areas that they could really improve. Catcher. Uh, they probably need like a rental outfielder and uh, a reliever, ideally a lefty, but uh, they definitely need help in the bullpen. There's no question about that. Um, what do you see happening? Or what do you, I guess, what do you, do you want them to go and do all three and, you know, sort of mortgage everything on this or what? I feel like if you get the right um, catcher that uh, you could, add a, a real quality bet to the lineup. I mean, it's not going to answer your outfield issues, but um, you could certainly improve the catcher position over what's there now, and you could improve your, your lineup. Um, so kind of kill two birds with one stone there. And then if you bank on getting anything out of Michael Brantley, which is starting to, you know, seem kind of have to just treat that as though if he comes back, it's a bonus. It's a you bonus. Yeah. You can't act as though he's coming back at this point. Yeah. You know, I, I would like to see them upgrade um, at catcher. And I know that's going to create kind of an awkward situation because, I mean, Jan Gomes is, you know, I think you and I were texting about this this afternoon. I don't know if Jan Gomes is going to play again during the regular season. I mean, he had a pretty lengthy rehab in front of him after uh, his shoulder injury there. Um, but he has signed through, I think, 2019. So, I mean, he's on the payroll here for, quite a while going forward. So if you make any kind of an upgrade, like uh, uh, Jonathan Lucroy of uh, uh, Milwaukee is the, the big name that seems to be floating out there. Right. And he would be under club control here this, the rest of this year and then uh, club option, I believe for next year. So um, that, that would create kind of a situation there, I guess. But I, I guess if you're asking me that that's the big fish that I really hope they find a way to land. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people have been saying, you know, if you get Lucroy, um, you might be able to, you know, get a, get a reliever from them as well. Um, yes. the name I keep hearing is Will Smith. Right. Um, I guess I'm not sure. I, I feel like the gauge on these things is way off all the time in terms of cost. Um, it, it sort of seems like the market on Lucroy isn't as high as it probably should be. Um, I know defensively he's not he's nothing to you know he's nothing impressive but uh, offensively he's a huge upgrade over anything they have right now with uh, even when you know Jan was was healthy and playing it seemed like he was he was terribly ineffective so um, 
yeah, you feel like that's probably the biggest area to improve because you can. I don't know that the the outfield needs an improvement, but it could certainly use one. I feel like you really need an improvement at catcher because that's just a hole in your lineup that's that's sort of been killing you lately. And it it just seems like the whoever's playing that position, their, their spot in the lineup has just come up in critical situations one time after another after another in the last few games. And it's just that old adage that uh, the, the game tends to find your weak spots at the uh, most inopportune times. So um, I, I also, though, I, I, I don't have any names in mind in particular, but I would really love to see them go out and, and get some help in the bullpen. I'm a little surprised that they haven't tried anything kind of creative with what they have in the minor league system, I guess. I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like you, you can, we've just seen a lot of the same cast of characters get uh, run out there throughout the season. And I mean, Shaw's been up and down. I mean, and I know that uh, Cody Allen's been pretty solid at the back end of the bullpen. But after that, man, it's just been a revolving door of guys that are just struggling left and right and... Um, I think it's taking a strain. It's it's putting a strain on the uh, the, the starting rotation because those yeah, guys now sure. they know like if, if you're taking the mound as a starter for the Indians, you know I have to go seven innings tonight. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I'm I'm putting this thing in jeopardy. Yeah, and I mean the last couple games against Washington. Um, I mean yesterday they played uh, the Nats and Strasburg had a, a game for the ages, but. Um, the pitching on our side wasn't even bad, um, but they couldn't get anything going with the bats. So it's like, I don't know. You can't, the, you're, I think you're right though. The pitchers know there's a ton of stress on them, especially the starters because they, they feel like they need to have a lead through seven and they, you know, every, every little run can make a big difference just because you don't know how stable that bullpen is. Um, so I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. It's it sort of, feels like in my opinion because it's the the position that stresses me out the most i feel like bullpen help might be the one i want to see them make the most even though i mean obviously bullpen a relief pitcher isn't going to have anywhere near the impact on a game that a, a large upgrade at catcher would or you know a big bat in the outfield would um it absolutely matters though oh yeah absolutely i mean late in games you need to have a reliable arm and they have cody allen who I think is about it probably in terms of guys that I feel pretty confident about. And even him, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't think he's a lock by any stretch of the imagination when he comes in a game, but uh, he's pretty reliable. does his job pretty well. So that's good, but you still want another one. That's maybe at least that reliable, if not more so. Yeah. And the other thing is some of the names that we've seen tossed out there in the last couple of weeks, a couple guys from the Yankees are oldest Chapman and, uh, Andrew Miller and Chapman obviously got traded over to the Cubs, but uh, Andrew Miller, I I think he's another guy with a a contract that would keep him here um, beyond just the season, which is one of those things that would make him really attractive, but yeah, he's got a very team friendly deal. Yeah. And, and that's great. And if you could land him fantastic, but I, I don't really feel like you necessarily need to go get a top of the line, uh closer caliber, reliever you just yeah need and, and serviceable gonna, upgrades and he's going to command a pretty high price too because right. of how good his contract is so it's like you can't give up clint frazier or uh uh 
the other guy, what's his name just escaped me? Oh, Bradley Zimmer. You can't give up one of those two guys for a reliever. You just can't. You have to get more than that. Um, so I guess I think that's probably where people started looking at uh, out to Milwaukee because if, if you're going to do something for Lucroy, have him throw in Will Smith, and maybe you can chip in one of those two guys. Um, I think I, I probably am strongly against them get throwing in both guys. Um, but I'm absolutely okay with one of them. And I, I don't pretend to know enough about minor league system to know which one I think is going to be better. Um, seems like they're pretty much ranked fairly evenly. Um, I think they have different strengths and whatnot, but as far as, you know, their overall rating as a prospect, they're pretty equal to each other. So if you throw in one of those guys, that still leaves you with two really good outfield prospects going forward. Because I mean, I think we still agree that Naquin is still a project or a prospect, um, even though he's been in the bigs all year. So you still have that and you're still stable for the future. Um, I think giving up both would put you in a pretty precarious position though going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with with trading those guys. But like you said, it's got to be for something more than uh, than a reliever. Now, if they did happen to swing a deal for Andrew Miller, I'd have to believe he would probably close, right? I don't know. That's a weird one because when we're talking Chapman, of course Chapman would close and Allen would move up to a seven or eight spot or seven or seventh or eighth inning, probably the eighth inning guy. Um, I don't know if you move Miller to closer. I don't know if he's ever closed before. And in theory, it shouldn't really matter. I know. I think, you know, if you, if you pitch, you pitch. But um, I think Allen's kind of embraced that role. So it's kind of it'd be kind of uh, I don't know. It could it could mess with both both guys psyche because they're playing, you know, something that they're not used to playing. Let's look here. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He was their closer last year. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Thirty six saves. All right, so maybe all right. I thought so. I I wasn't sure about that, but I I I wanted to look that up before I said anything. But yeah, he uh he saved thirty six last year. So, um, but no, just I mean the the bigger point that I was making, and I still think that giving up those top uh, prospects in the Indian system for him, it, it's it's dicey. Just because you could get um a very significant upgrade to your setup guys that you have now for a much lower price and roll with Cody Allen as your closer going forward. I'm, I would be fine with sticking with Cody Allen and, and just upgrading the, uh, the setup men for like the seventh and eighth innings without having to sell the farm and then yeah. be using those, those, uh, you know, Frazier and Zimmer level prospects, um, on a batter, uh, for sure. Or, or, you know, a, a Lucroy deal, you know, the Lucroy thing, really interesting to me i was listening to the uh the a to z uh podcast um i think it was either yesterday maybe the day before but uh it was uh, you know andre not and zach jackson there and andre is the uh the in-game reporter for sto so he's pretty dialed in with the indians and the thing he had said was um from what he had heard around the team from some of the the sources he's got within the uh, the front office there is that they're not real high at Lucroy. He's um, not the type of catcher they're looking for, which number one, I'm like, okay, if you're looking at his numbers, I, I don't know what type of catcher you are looking for. That struck me as incredibly odd, but I assume uh, that means defensively. Yeah, I, 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 I guess it would have to. And I know there's uh, a lot of value in the rapport that, catchers build with uh, with their pitchers and I mean you see that with uh, Jimenez and and Trevor Bauer 
um, just as one example, but uh, just struck me as weird. And, and he did qualify that with, it was entirely possible that um, they wanted to just float some bullshit out there to, you know, try to build some leverage in their negotiations. Cause on the flip side today, I see Ken Rosenthal of Fox sports and uh, Jerry Krasnick. I think of uh, who's he with ESPN both said that the Indians are still talking with Milwaukee about Luke Roy. So somebody's getting bad info somewhere, but uh, that, is the type of, uh, is the type of catcher they're looking for one that's got a uh, slash line of like 165, 200 and 500. You don't need to look anywhere that's else. What we, got that's what we have those, right now. So. That's what we have right now. So, um, oh. I'll deal with guys stealing second every once in a while. If you know, if 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 it, it drastically increases the offensive output, which it seems like it it probably would. I uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. So uh, you know, some of these other names I've seen thrown around a couple of utility men. Um, we're having pretty good years. Uh, Steve Pierce of uh, the Rays and then uh, Eduardo Nunez of uh, the Minnesota T- Twins. Um, you and I, before we hit record here, we uh, had a fun one with them. We saw that uh, I think they got duped tonight by a fake Buster Olsen Twitter <laughs> yep. account. They put up on their scoreboard that the Indians had traded for Carlos Beltran. But, Someone uh, got chapsed. They did. <laughs> Oh, chaps. I don't think it was actually chaps this time. I think no, it's... I think I think I saw him say on Twitter the other day he hung it up. He's done doing fake fake sports tweets. You know what? Maybe I could start following him now because I, I specifically have not <laughs> followed him because I I uh, said I will not get chaps. So there you go. But no, uh, I think uh, the biggest reason I think we've heard them talk Pierce is because he's really good against lefties. And that's uh, been a sore spot for the Indians. Um Problem is, I don't really know where he. Play. I guess he'd play outfield. Um, he's not going to play second or first, probably. Um, I, I honestly, admittedly, obviously, I don't follow Tampa Bay baseball that much, but um, he's got a good average this year. I'm looking at him right now, batting 312. He's only played in 60 games. I'm assuming he's he's just sort of like platooning down there. He's not an everyday player, obviously. I don't know if. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's not going to make a big splash. A guy that's going to, you know, play every every third game or whatever the hell he's doing down there. Um, if you could make him a full time player, I don't. I don't know if that's what they have in mind or not, or if they just save him to go against lefties. But uh, either way, that's sort of. I don't know that that's going to be a splashy name that's going to get people excited. All right. I hate making predictions, but do you want to? take a guess at uh, how this whole trade deadline shakes out here, because uh, I'm guessing we probably will not be on here again until after the trade deadline passes. Yeah. Um, sure. I'll say what I want to happen. Um, and what I think will probably happen. I would love to see that Lucroy and Will Smith deal go through for, I don't know, a couple prospects, I guess one of the top two guys, and then maybe like Clevenger or, someone else i'm not like i said i don't know what what it's going to take to get those deals done i'd like to see if they can get those two guys without giving up both of the top two prospects uh zimmer and frazier and only give up one of them i'd be happy with that um what i think will probably happen my hunch is they'll probably just get a reliever from someone i don't know who i'm not even gonna hazard a guess but my my guess is that they probably strike out on lucroy and then they go make a last ditch effort and get someone uh, that's out there on the reliever market. 
All right, two things. Number one, if they want to go get a setup man, uh, you've still got a shot at acquiring one after Monday afternoon because the uh, you got the non-waiver trade deadline um, at the end of August. So for the entire next month after this, we could still see those types of deals. And generally, um, second and third tier players like that are the kinds of guys that would move in one of those non-waiver deals. So if they don't get the reliever they're looking for this weekend or, or by Monday, I wouldn't give up all hope on that happening. Um, as for what I would like to see happen, I'm with you. I want this big deal with the Brewers to go down. I think it would be phenomenal. I think it would be really exciting. And um, if it takes a King's ransom, um, I'm willing to do it. Uh, just because I remember back the last time the Indians made the postseason, I, that was when, I think it was actually the year before, right, that they traded for Ubaldo? Yep, that's correct. Okay, so... You know, when they made that deal, um, he eventually in, in that 2013 season down the stretch became, yeah, I, I would say, a hell of a end of this. He had a hell of a run. Not, he wasn't wasn't great the whole season, but second half of the season, he was lights out. Second half of the year, he was the best pitcher on the staff and they had a few good ones. That One of the year. best in baseball. He put up some ridiculous numbers that second half. And it took a real high price. It was the top two pitching prospects in the uh, Indians farm system and um you know, I mean, like Drew Pomerantz finally came around this year and he had an all-star type season. Now but, he's in, uh, just got traded, actually, to Boston. He did. So I'll be kind of curious to see how he pans out there going from the National League to the American League because I think a lot of times it's easier to put up good numbers as a pitcher um, in the National League just because you're facing opposing pitchers and things like that. But, right. um, yeah, it just especially when you're in a, a mid-market like Cleveland, uh, I know they've got the core of this team signed for a few years, but you just, it, it's never guaranteed that you're going to be back in this position again. So they got a real shot here, even as much as they've scuffled in the last three or four weeks or whatever, they still, I think they're a half game off of having the best record in the American league. Yep. Uh, I think they got the best rotation in the American league. I think that's, I think that's, I don't know that it's terribly close, honestly. Um, and, those guys, I, they've hit a, a rough patch here for the last week and a half or so, but that's going to happen. I think we all know that that's not going to that's not going to last. Yeah, and 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 don't forget, they've got more home games left for the remainder of the season than any other team in the league because they've been on the road forever. Um, so and they've played well at home this year, just not for opening day for some reason. <laughs> oh boy, old wounds, old wounds. <laughs> But uh, I guess I'll, I'll throw this one out there, too. I, I We've seen the name Beltran thrown out, and that's what they, the Twins reported was happening, and, and Twitter got all abuzz, and then we realized, pretty sure they just got tricked. But um, if they could throw a second-level prospect for, you know, to rent Carlos Beltran for a couple months, because he's, uh, I think he's in the last year of his deal, and he's almost 40 years old. So, um, But he's been hitting real well this year, and he would give, you know, you might lose a little bit defensively in the outfield, but... I think the improvement in the lineup would be uh, worth that that difference. But if they could get that for, you know, like a Clevenger or someone, you know, one of those not the not the top tier prospect, but that that second tier that's just below, I'd be fine with that, too. Uh, I don't want them to throw obviously too much for a guy like that, because that's that's the definition of a rental player. But sure, um, if, if they could get him for for a decent amount, I'm OK with that, too. Yeah, just don't be afraid to be aggressive here. These opportunities do not present themselves every year. And uh, there's a real good wave of momentum in the city right now. I mean, attendance is up. 
at the Indians games and and just run with this man. You could really there's really a a good possibility to do something great this year and. I got no problem with them uh, swinging for the fences at this deadline and doing whatever it's going to take and sort out the rest later. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm conservative by nature on these things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to crush them if they get aggressive and go do it. Because um, as a fan, that's what you should really want. I mean, the reason you, people always throw these prospects out and we always hear their names and shit. And it's like, well, okay, that guy, he could be good in a couple of years. It's like, well, one of the reasons you have guys isn't just to protect you in the future. It's for when you're in a position to win now um, and go get that guy that can put you over the top. So you can't be if, – if they do um, get real aggressive and get rid of those guys, you can't blame them for it because they're in that position where that's that makes sense for them. Every, when it comes to these trading prospects, for every Francisco Lindor in your system, there's a, there's a Matt Laporta or five. So – Yep, no question. <laughs> All right, one other thing with the Indians I wanted to touch on. Um, they've got the Hall of Fame, the Indians Hall of Fame induction ceremony going on this weekend, I think on Saturday. And four former players are scheduled to be inducted. Um, among them, Albert Bell and, uh, and uh, Frank Robinson. And the reason I mention those two specifically is because I, I know for a fact Albert Bell is not attending. And I'm fairly certain that I saw that uh, Frank Robinson will not be there either. Um, that one has not gotten nearly as much discussion um, from the local media. But uh, I, I have some opinions on this. And before I get up on the soapbox, I just wanted to gauge your reaction. Um, I guess I'm, I'm a little surprised. I don't, I don't know the whole Frank Robinson. I don't know why he's not. Um, I have a feeling, I don't I'm know not the sure whole... why he isn't already. Isn't he in the baseball hall of fame? Yeah, I believe so. So um, what, what's taking so long for the, for the Indians one? I don't know. But the, the thing with Frank Robinson, the reason I'm hesitating to, to, um, go in on, on him or, or his situation is I, I think I read, that uh, you know the, the the baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown had their ceremonies last weekend and i believe that i read that he was supposed to attend that ceremony as well and he canceled so um, could be like a health thing or I, yeah i don't want to okay. speculate so, i don't want to yeah, guess won't even, but won't even touch it if, he also only yeah if he's if he's years, so. doing that as well that my guess is there's no real direct animosity with the indians the right. uh, the bell situation on the other hand is more what's uh, what's interesting here so yeah so i thought uh, i thought not that long ago like maybe two seasons ago he was down there for like spring training and they had you know kind of mended fences or patched things up i don't i don't know what happened to that i don't and i might even be imagining that i don't know if maybe that's just in my head or i thought someone said it and it actually didn't happen but um i don't know i i i've always I love I love Albert Bell. I don't I don't really he can he can sort of do no wrong in my eyes, obviously within reason. Um nothing he's ever really done has bothered me that much. Um he chased the kids with his car, don't really care. It's a hilarious Joey Bell story. <laughs> um, uh my personal favorite being uh sending the guy to get his bat from the umpire's office. Also a great story. Um, what his current beef is with the Indians organization. Uh, I don't know. Um, personally, I'd like to think he'd just suck it up and 
and come for because fans still love him. I mean, I I don't know if he realizes it, and he thinks because uh, when he came back as a player, he wasn't exactly celebrated after he left. But um, I'm pretty sure he'd get a huge ovation if he came. And uh, I'm not sure if he just doesn't want to deal with it or what the case is. All right, so here's the thing. So go for it. Go. All right. So Paul Hoynes, who's been covering the Indians forever, uh, for whatever reason, seems to have an in with Albert Bell, and, and he's gotten him to go on the record on more than one occasion in the past few years. And, um, you know, Bell's not one of those guys that uh, is always looking for media appearances or popping up at the ballpark uh, and, and and making the rounds and keeping himself in the spotlight. So the fact that just wants to go golf every day. Yeah. Well, the the fact that Hoynes has got like this pipeline that he can go through to, to check in on bell um, every once in a while. uh, I always found that kind of fascinating. So um, he he did that, uh, I I believe last week and to hear Bell's side of the story. um, I, I guess the way they do this hall of fame is the media that covers the team gets to vote on who goes in and then the team gets the final say and they voted him in this year and the team approached Albert Bell. And basically what he said was, I can do it in May. I can do it in June. Um, I could do it in August because my kids are uh, out, of, out of school. But July is my vacation time. If you have it in July, I can't do it. And they went ahead and scheduled it in July anyway. And he's like, well, screw you then. So if that's true, I understand the Indians want to do this on a weekend that is um, during the summertime because their crowds are better during the summer. But I swear to God, they've done this thing in August before. So yeah, just, and August is still summer. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's 100 degrees right now. I'm, I'm sweating my ass off every day. I'm sure it's still going to be warm in a couple of weeks. And the other thing with this that really just kind of annoys me is it's like if he's not going to be there this year and he really can't do it, like, why do you have to put him in this year? Like, is anybody questioning the sanctity or the legitimacy of the Indians Hall of Fame if Bell's not in there? Like, who fucking cares? I mean, do you know who else is in the Indians Hall of Fame right now? Uh, I'm going to say Bob Feller. And Larry Doby, um, Omar, no, Omar probably isn't. I don't fucking know. Right. Um, that's the whole point. I, I, I can guess the guy matter. that I know a, are really good, but that's it. It's a cool thing that they do to like bring some players back every year and and kind of have like keep a connection with the alumni and you know pop the crowd for one weekend when when you trot out the guys that we cheered for twenty or thirty years ago and and it's really cool. But it's like you know I just. I think about like um, other halls of fame, like that are not necessarily like measuring sticks for, for their industry or whatever. Um, And like, like the WWE hall of fame, you think they're going to induct somebody if they don't have the player or their family or or the wrestler or their family there to represent them. Like, you know, I just like, no, I mean, the whole point is to be able to like bring people back and honor them. So it's like, if you're going to like put him in, when he's not there, like just wait till another year when he could do it. And if the guy's got a history of running hot and cold, wait until there's a year where he's back on good terms. Like it'll probably be a year or two from now. So the whole thing just feels really ridiculous and unnecessary to me. And, and 
I don't know. It's just annoying. Yeah, I mean, if if they absolutely couldn't move it off of that weekend for whatever reason, they had to have it in July. Would it have been the worst thing if they just said, "All right, uh, Albert, we can't do it this year. We'll do it next year for you." Who cares? Like you said, I mean, is that a big deal? Is anyone going to realize? Oh, Albert got snubbed this year from that from the Indians Hall of Fame. Well, no, he didn't. They just accommodated him at a different time. So, I guess I don't I don't get the point. Um, I don't really get all the hoopla honestly about it because. Like you said, who actually cares about the Indians Hall of Fame? But um, they got the, I mean, they got the nice like um, monuments and stuff. And, and there's that yeah. park in the center field area. And it's like if you're there, and you're killing time before a game. It's cool. And the weekend when they have the ceremony where they uh, honor players, that that's a nice thing. And, and, and that's fun. But like, again, it's just like it's not like some sort of measuring stick for your career. Uh, I, I don't think anybody's like, well, did he make the Indians Hall of Fame? I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't so, tell you. And, and there no. might be more to this that we're not getting. I mean, I try to do as much homework on it as I could before we got into the discussion here. So, like, um, if I'm missing a big part of the story, then that that's on me and I feel bad about it. But just based on what we've heard and what we've read and what's been put out there, it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of a head scratcher to me. So, Yeah, I don't really get it either. Hey, speaking of head scratchers, the Cleveland Browns had their first uh, practice today, I believe. The uh, the Hugh Jackson era is uh, officially, officially underway, underway huh? on the field. So uh, we were uh, created to the news earlier this week that uh, Josh Gordon is uh, apparently going to get to uh, play football again. But um, in, the, in terms of the games that count, he's going to have to wait until week five because he's got to uh, serve uh, four more games of a suspension. Sort of, sort of weird that they would reinstate him and say, oh, yeah, but you need to sit out four more games. And the weirdest like part of it all. done that with him. We, the weirdest part of it all was the fact that, like, they asked the Browns about it. Like, honest to God, like, once he got that year-long suspension, I just kind of wrote him off. I said, and I think I told you this, I'm like, he'll never play another down for the Browns ever again. And I'm really surprised that they're actually working on trying to bring him back. the idea, yep. So... I, I just any off field indiscretions or anything that he had going on, I, I've really lost track of. So when they reinstated him and said he had four more games, I'm like, oh, there must be some other incident here that uh, I must have just missed or whatever. But um, they asked Sashi Brown, the media did today at, uh, at, at camp. And he said the Browns front office doesn't know why he has to be suspended for four more games. They don't know. How is that possible? Yeah, I have, I, I have a hard time believing it. I think they just didn't want to keep talking about it. They didn't want to have to explain why it was. I'm sure they talked to the league, and I'm sure the league gave them an explanation whether they agree with it or not. I don't know. But to say that they have no idea why, I, I'm not buying it. Why I not think just say, thing, like, it's a league matter and we can't comment on it or something, or we don't I want mean, to get into that right now. But to, like, yeah, say we don't know. they might not answered it perfectly, but he basically just said, we don't know, you'd have to ask the league about it. And like moved on. So that made me believe like he just they just don't want to be, you know, explaining oh. these things and have to justify a league decision that wasn't theirs. I just I cannot fathom like if you're the Indians finding out that uh, during spring training, yeah, Jason Kepnis is going to miss the first 40 games of the year. Why? What's going on? Uh, we don't know. Suspended. We don't really know why. Like, you know, yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I think four games doesn't sound like much, but that's a quarter of the year. Yeah, but the Major League Baseball also has a pretty structured punishment system. 
It doesn't right. just it doesn't just kind of fly by the seat of Roger Goodell's pants or whatever the hell he wants to do. He does. Yeah, fit out um, the L, but uh... yeah, that's the thing. Like nothing surprised at the NFL. They could tell you, oh yeah, he's uh, he's reinstated, but he's suspended another year. You'd be like, oh okay, whatever. That's what Goodell said he's going to do, and we've learned that if Goodell's going to do it, that's what's going to happen. So. Um, that's sort of where I'm at, I guess. I'm not reading too much into that um, just because so many of their punishments have, haven't made sense in the past. So why start now? Yeah, the NFL's punishment system, and, and I have a feeling that whenever the next round of CBA negotiations oh, yeah. comes down, that, that oh, is yeah. going to be that, that clause player is safety. Out. Yeah, that clause is coming out. I also think, uh, I think weed testing is probably going to be out. My guess is that it will be. Um, it'll likely be pretty widely legal, I think, by that point. Um, and with its, I think I've said this to you before, with its reported, uh, with how much they say it helps with concussion symptoms and things like that, um, I think that could be a, a huge bone that they throw to the players. Um, I mean, obviously, they'll use it for leverage for something else that they want, but. I think that's a a pretty big deal. To, I think if you threw that to the players, they would look at that as a huge, um, huge plus for them because they lose so many fucking guys get suspended for weed. It seems like it. Uh, it, it does seem unnecessary, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be honest. I I used probably ten years ago. I was probably one of the people who thought, yeah, weed's real bad for you. Don't smoke weed. Blah blah, blah whatever. Who gives a shit? Like I've never done it, but I don't care about people that do. Like. I don't think it's bad for you. I don't think it's doing any harm. I think of the things that these players probably put in their bodies in the way of legal supplements um, and things along those lines and the damage that they do to their body. Let them smoke weed, for God's sake. Who cares? Yeah, The, the, the violent collisions that you're involved in on a yeah, Sunday afternoon if, are far worse than anything that weed's going to do to your system. Yeah, and even if you don't have, like, even if you don't have concussions or, you know, Foot, being a football player just hurts. Like you've got to be sore like all the time. And if weed has that uh, that that pain relieving effect that everyone seems to say it does, I mean, I'll take the word for it. I haven't heard anyone say that it that it that that's a hoax or something. So if it does, it, there's a lot. You know, I mean, it, it, it seems like it's not a. I don't know if it's not addictive or not. I'm not going to get into that, but. Um, if they're not going to do that, they're going to find something else that's going to help with that pain. And a lot of that stuff's way worse for you than weed is. So, and I know a lot of them are just doing it because they like to get high. It's not all because it's not all for the pain relief, but not all altruistic reasons. Yeah. It's not all just because they're sore and they want to make, they want to feel better. Um, but what is it hurting? What's the benefit to suspending people? How are you helping anyone with that? I, I just don't get the point of still, busting people for it. I don't know. Does the NBA even test for it? Yeah, I believe so. Do they just have like a super high threshold? That I'm not sure. <laughs> because there's no, because I, do you ever hear about people getting suspended for it? There have been drug related suspensions. I don't know if they've been marijuana related. I, I do know that like their performance enhancing drug tests in the NBA, like you are subjected to, like I think three or four tests per year. Okay. And once you hit like your maximum number of tests, you're basically cleared for like a free for all for the rest of the season. Okay. 
So, like, if you get your fourth tested arch and you want to... as a performance-enhancing drug? What's that? Does the NBA qualify it as a performance-enhancing drug? I don't know. I mean, that, that gets into a whole separate discussion. But right. Anyway, back on, on the subject of Josh Gordon, do you want him back on the team? Why not? That's what, I, I've been saying, that's what I've been saying since he got suspended. And everyone's like, oh, just release him. What's the point? If he comes up and he sucks and, you know, he doesn't do stuff right, then get rid of him. But there's no harm, I mean, at this point in keeping him around. I don't I don't believe in the distractions like a lot of people do. They say, oh, he's just a distraction and this and the other. How, who's he distracting? No one on that team, none of the players, maybe the coaches have to think about it a little bit, but none of those players are going out to practice today wondering – you know, how does Josh Gordon affect me? They're just going out there trying to, you know, if, if it's a fringe guy, he's trying to earn himself a job. If it's if it's a, you know, like a pretty solid guy, he's trying to, you know, maybe move up the death chart or, you know, secure his spot as the, the number one guy, like if it's a receiver. Number one. So, no, I don't think it really matters. He's cheap. He's incredibly good. I mean, we know that he's a very good football player uh, when his head's on straight. Um, well, I guess, I don't know if his head's ever been on straight, but when he's on the field, he's a good football player. Um, so what's, I mean, what's the negative to keeping him? Uh, The negative to keeping him is I, I, I don't think he's a guy you can count on. I think the fact that he's been suspended now, either by the league or by his team for 33 games since 2013 is a problem. I don't think you can count on a guy like that. Um, maybe you don't need to count on him. I, and the fact, bonus. I mean, his one year, he had one great year where he put up real numbers and it was one of those, you know, endless years where they went five and 11, the one year where they actually were seven and nine and in first place for uh, it, it, like, you know, midway through the year, he was suspended for the first 10 games of that year. And when he came back, they ended up going one and five down the stretch and he did not play very well. He was out of shape. He wasn't running routes well. He wasn't playing hard for Brian Hoyer because he's, he's buddies with Johnny Manziel. And he was a terrible influence. And when you're trying to change a culture in your locker room, a guy with a shitty attitude like that who has not proven himself to be an actual winner at any level, I I, I mean, yeah, he's putting up numbers, but what is that getting you? Like, okay, so you're going to go, f- what, 4-12 and 12 this year in, instead of 1-15? and 15? Like, yeah, but the coaches that are there now can't make decisions based on, you know, what they think was happening when he, when he was here before. They don't know what his attitude was like before. They can assume that it was shitty, but it sounds like they're going to give him, you know, some, sort of a clean slate. And if if he comes in, I mean, in they made that decision with stuff, Johnny Manziel, right? Um, I mean, I guess similarly, but I don't know if. Johnny Menzel hasn't shown anywhere near the potential. Josh Gordon has shown that he can do it. Johnny Manziel showed that he couldn't. I thought. I'm not sure that's. I'm not sure that's a, a decent comparison. I mean, he he led the league in receiving. It was a first team All Pro. Um, Johnny Manziel was a train wreck from day one, not just off the field. So that's I don't true. Know if, I don't know if that's. I think that's sort of an apples and uh, oranges comparison. Um, to be fair, yeah, I'm sure that a lot of that played into it, and that was probably part of the reason that they released him. But you also look at what he was doing with his life. He was on a downward spiral when they released him. He was getting arrested and charged with 
domestic violence for for all intents and purposes. Josh Gordon's kind of stayed out of the limelight. Yeah, we saw him at uh, hanging out with Johnny on like Snapchat or something, but he hasn't gotten in any trouble um, in 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 quite a while, as far as I can tell. Um, So I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's the same situation either. Truth be told, I I really think the the best course for them at this point, if it were up to me, would be to try to showcase him for a trade at the trade deadline. You're just pissed because my Josh Gordon Terrell Pryor prediction is going to come true. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Believe me, that is not keeping me up at night. I I can promise you that. That's that's the ticket this year. Gordon (laughs) Pryor 2016. Oh boy. Well, I mean... Don't forget, I mean, what did they draft? Like five receivers? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's going to be a crowded uh, position room in, uh, yeah. in, in training suddenly, camp. Suddenly, it's, it's a lot of X, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of X factors, really. I mean, Andrew Hawkins is still a pretty, I don't know that he's, he's not a stud, but he's a pretty reliable, solid player. Um, Corey Coleman, you have to make sure he's involved and you have to get him involved in the offense. Um, Josh Gordon, who knows what you get from him. Prior, still that question mark. Who knows what you get from him? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of storylines at wide receiver this year. That's gonna be a fun position to watch in training camp, just because I just can't imagine any scenario in which all those guys stick around. So um, that's gonna be a good fight um, as we get rolling here in training camp. What else are you looking at? Um, you know me. I'm if if I don't think they're gonna be good, I want them to be terrible. <laughs> so, so I you guess might get your wish. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't see anything that to, to indicate the contrary. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how all of it will work. I do think that with the addition of RG three and Josh Gordon being back and how they drafted, I think they're, they've made a, a large jump in talent. Um, how any of it actually translate on translates on the field time will tell, but, um, I'll be honest, I'm pretty focused on the Indians. I don't really, you know me, the Browns are like, the Browns are sort of, I think they're kind of the same to you. They're sort of the thing I think about when nothing else is noteworthy with the other teams. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I, I'm i not in Browns mode at all. I've, I've just finally no, gotten not myself even into Indians. Yeah, mode, I, just came so. down, I just came down from Cavs and I jumped right into Indians from it. So, um Browns are something I'll, I'll casually watch until the season starts, but I'm not, I'm not going to dive in too much until the Indian season is done. Even, I'll, I mean, shit, I'll pay more attention to Ohio State probably than I will the Browns. We'll 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 get into the uh, into the Browns a little bit more and they uh, actually start playing some games here. Yeah, there's nothing really that interesting to talk about. No, there's not. But I'm glad you mentioned Ohio State because before we get out of here, that's the one other thing that I wanted to throw in here quickly. Um, while we're doing this uh, this episode of the pod, is that uh, they they announced today that um, for most years going forward, um, this this upcoming season excluded, but uh, after this year, um, they're going to start making sure that the college football playoff semifinals are not going to be on New Year's Eve anymore. They're going to play them on the Saturday before New Year's most years. Yeah, it's sort of what we all said they should have been doing all along. <laughs> so, Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, we'll have we'll have to suffer through it this year, but know that there's a uh, brighter days ahead. But um, 
it will be on New Year's. What if it's on a Saturday? It can still be on New Year's Eve or something. Yeah, so I'm this is sure really exactly complicated. Is, like, but there is a weird, yeah. I mean, it's not totally clear, but in most cases, it won't be on New Year's Eve. Which, thank God, because last year was terrible. They, yeah, they've got the dates all mapped out, and and you could look it up on. Uh, any number of websites, but like this year it was already set. The dates were already booked. Couldn't do anything about it. And next year the semis are back at the Rose bowl and the sugar bowl. Like they were for the first one. So that's going to go back to new year's day. Yeah. The two years after that would be when they would start moving it up um, to like the 28th or 29th. So uh, let this be a lesson of just how powerful, um, cable television and ESPN in particular are um, in influencing the sports that we watch because I can tell you with a great deal of confidence, even though I haven't talked to anybody who has ESPN on their paycheck, that uh, people at that network were not happy when the ratings went off a cliff from uh, year one of the playoffs to year two. And it was directly attributed to the fact that they played those games when everybody was going out for New Year's Eve. Or people on the West Coast were at work still. Or yeah, exactly, and it was terrible. Like, and, and, and those games sucked. That didn't help either. It. And they tried to sell it as uh, the fact they tried so hard to sell it. And literally, I didn't hear anyone that thought it was a good idea. And they're pushing it like we want to start this new tradition. New traditions in college football suck. They don't stick. Show me one that's been made in the last you know handful of years that anyone actually gives a damn about. The traditions that people like are the ones that have been around forever. They don't want you to fuck up their New Year's Eve. They they want to go party. They don't want to sit at home. And if it's not their team, they don't want to sit at home and watch it. And if it is their team, they're kind of pissed that they have to watch their team and can't go do anything for New Year's Eve. So it, it was a, a stupid move from the beginning, and they didn't seem to get it for whatever reason. Um, I will say, I said this to you earlier, I'm a little surprised that they made a uh, they got a common sense call correct here. Um Better late than never, I suppose. They went back and, after review, got it right. But, um, no, that, it was a terrible move from the beginning, and everyone knew it. Better late than never, but at the same time, I think they got this thing switched way sooner than, than we expected. I, yeah, probably. Yeah. It took one I, like, year, sure. I mean, they basically had to get dragged um, through one god-awful set of playoffs to immediately pull the plug. I mean, like, they were at the outside of this thing, really talking about how, well, it's going to take some time, but we're committed to this. And they had one really bad year and that quickly, they've already put the wheels in motion to, to put it on other days. So good for them, not dragging their feet. I guess we'll take it. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? No, congrats to, uh, congrats to Tyron Lou on signing and betting on himself and making a ton of money. Yeah, thirty-five million. Nice little him. deal for him, huh? Absolutely, and That's he deserves perfect. it. Yeah, for sure. He's a. Uh, I thought when he passed up to the three-year deal, and I think that's what happened is they offered him a, a deal, and he said, "No, I'll just ride this out, and you know, I think I can get more." And God, did he ever! Good that, for him. That was the right move. It was. Uh, it was a gamble by his uh, on his part, but um, it was the right move for him, and it was the right move for the Cavs to. Uh, to, to, to pay the money to him and um, lock him up long-term because I think he did a fantastic job once he got settled in this year. And I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, this upcoming season with a full training camp and a full season 
um, and not coming into the middle of a hurricane to see what he can do with this team. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I will say I was off. Um, obviously, I was out of town last week. Uh, I was in San Francisco. If you ever want to have a lot of fun, go to San Francisco and just ask people like, hey, I'm not from around here, blah, blah, blah. And when they ask where you're from, it's really fun to just say the home of 2016 NBA champion Cleveland Cavaliers and then walk <laughs> away. I'll tell you that. Uh, that doesn't get old. <laughs> hey, you guys remember that time with the Warriors, the greatest team in the history of the league, allegedly uh, blew a 3-1 lead in the finals at home? No, oh. I forgot. Sorry, I forgot, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, guess oh, yeah. what? Here's yeah. a reminder. Champs. The Warriors blew Champions. a one lead at home. So. Oh, it was – and if you haven't been to San Francisco, it kind of sucks as a city. Really? It's many hills. It's cold. It was 65 degrees and cloudy in the middle of July in California. Whew. It was terrible. Terrible. It's a, it's a, it's, I'm not, I guess – I don't want to say it's a terrible city, but you can't walk anywhere. There's too many fucking hills. And the weather sucks. There's some cool places. But over, I'm done going to San Francisco. If I go there any anymore, I'm going up to wine country and then just going right back to the airport. I'm not wasting any more time in downtown San Francisco. You go hang and bang with uh, Carbon Policy up there, isn't it? Yeah, I tried to find where he's at. It's like super private and it, like you can't go to it at all. I don't even think he sells wine. I think he just makes it for himself. Like his <laughs> website, if you go on his website, there's like zero information about it. It's pretty funny. I was going to have a website then. Hey, here's this wine that I make that you can't have. Yeah, I was going to show up with a Tim Couch jersey. Like, let's go. Um, But no, I didn't. I couldn't find him. But if you're ever looking for a a fantastic vacation, Sonoma, Napa area, incredible. Incredible. Interesting. Like an hour ish from San Francisco, worth the drive. Great time. Anybody up there that you could uh, also relentlessly taunt with uh, Cavs Warriors memories? Oh yeah, we stayed. Uh, so we stayed at an Airbnb, and I wore a Cavs shirt the first day I was out there on the plane and everything, and through the airport, and I show up, and the guy that like owns the house like sees me, he's like, "Oh, you can't stay here." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I get it. That's fair. Actually, you do actually have something." But no, usually they were nice folks. But yeah, it's funny if you when you go. I don't know if you've ever gone into like enemy territory, really, for something like that. Um, but you can feel when people are like looking at you and they're like this asshole walking by, this son of a bitch. You know, I, I've been in enemy territory, but never when I've had bragging rights. So <laughs> it's oh yeah, I've I've done the same. I had to keep my head Ohio down State and uh, just not say anything because I really didn't have shit to say. I've so. done it for Ohio State a few times, and you can always tell. Like usually when I mean when I travel for like Ohio State games, it's. Like, there's large groups of Ohio State people, so people aren't really noticing you. You don't really stick out. Um, but we definitely stuck out a little bit. Shauna was wearing her Cavs shirt as well. She supported me, so that was cool. Um, and you definitely got some, like, people doing, like, double takes. Like, what's this, what's this piece of shit doing? <laughs> but, but which makes it fun. And a few people asked, and I did not let them uh, – did not let there be any confusion about how that series turned out. Let's put it that way. Oh, that's beautiful. Good shit. All right, man. Let's uh, let's put this one to bed. Yeah. So uh, it up. we will uh, we will keep our fingers crossed that uh, the Indians uh, get something done here, and um, yeah, hopefully next time we're talking about uh, their upgraded roster. Yeah, I, I like the sound of that. So in the meantime, uh, thank you everybody uh, checking us out as always. We 
Uh, appreciate you following along with the show. Um, if you uh, if you're listening on the website um, and you've got a, a phone, you should go subscribe on uh, iTunes or Stitcher or uh, Google Play if you're on Android. Um, Facebook page we got uh, got the Facebook page up and running. Uh, Facebook.com/slash The Nail Podcast. And uh, yeah, I think that'll do it. So for Travis Uli, I am Tom Valentino. This has been The Nail in the Coffin, and we will talk to you again next week. See ya. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On Press Box Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access.